Hello and welcome to the One Football Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny that I invited you without knowing that uh, we're going to be speaking so so much about City. I mean, of course, you know, Champions League, but not knowing yeah, if you're yeah. if you were going to be in a good mood or not. I'm always in a good mood, Joanna. You know me. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's that wasn't fair for me. But let's put it in a better mood now. Yeah, let's hope so. Okay. Well, then um, let's get started. Champions League's back, semi-finals, finally, and there's a lot to talk about on today's One Football Podcast. I'm Joana Bueno, replacing Ian McCourt once more, and to talk about Paris Saint-Germain, Manchester City, and Real Madrid-Chelsea with me today are Dan Burke Hello. and Manu Dominguez. Hi, everyone. Thanks for coming, guys. So, Champions League semi-final. Great matches, but not exactly what I was hoping for, I guess I can say that. Except for that one second half yesterday that was very, very exciting. What did you think about that second half then? Oh, well, yeah. I mean, it was a game of two halves in Paris for sure. Yeah, the first half was uh, was pretty bleak from City's perspective. It wasn't looking looking too good at halftime at all. I was feeling pretty pessimistic about our, our chances of turning it around. And then the second half was, was, was much better. Yeah, very exciting, as you say. I mean, the whole game was so stressful for me personally. I was just like, I, I, was, I was glad when it was over more than anything. <laughs> Exhausted when it was yeah, over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'd like to ex- actually start this podcast by asking you, that goal by De Bruyne, was he trying to cross or to shoot on goal yeah it was definitely a cross wasn't it definitely um i think it was a, a goalkeeping error from from Kaylor navas as well but you know when, when you whip a ball into that area it, it really makes things difficult for the goalkeeper i think navas like wasn't sure whether whether someone was going to get ahead on it a city player or, or a psg defender and then then he had to react late and the bounce of the ball just kind of took it past him into the corner um we, we have a great phrase in english for that actually we call it the the corridor of uncertainty when you put a ball into that position it just confuses everyone Everyone, no one really knows what's going to happen that's great. Um, so that's, yeah, it went straight down the corridor of uncertainty, I think. Yeah, it reminded me a little bit of that Ronaldinho goal against England in 2002. You know, yeah. when Seaman is a little bit, a bit further ahead. So he just, nobody knows if he's trying to cross or if he's trying to shoot on goal. And at the end, it's just this amazing goal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know if you know, but we Brazilians, we kind of don't like De Bruyne so much. Because <laughs> uh, in the last World Cup, he played one of the best matches of his life against Brazil. And actually, it was too new in the first half. But if it was five new, I wouldn't be surprised because Belgium was so much better than Brazil. <laughs> so yesterday, the internet was full of Brazilian memes saying, oh, my God, not again. De Bruyne again. He just changed the shirt color <laughs> because it was playing against Neymar. And as you can imagine, you know, Brazilian fans supporting PSG. So I guess in this first duel against these both amazing players, De Bruyne won the first duel. He started out with an advantage, right? I think so, yeah. Yeah, so he scored a goal against Brazil in that game, didn't he? Was it a really good goal, if I remember rightly? Yes, he did. Yeah, he yeah. was the man of the match there, but uh, in that in that particular match, he was playing amazing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, last night, like like everyone in the City shirt, I don't think he had a very good first half at all. And he, he, he was much better after the break. Everything uh, good that City did in the second half went through him. And I thought Neymar started well. I mean, when I was sort of like thinking about this game, when I was preparing myself mentally for it, in my mind's eye, I, I imagined Neymar scoring a goal. And he had a pretty good chance after about 13, 14 minutes, I think it was. 
Uh, Edison made the save and tipped it over. And then I think like towards the end of the first half, he, he landed awkwardly on his elbow, didn't he? And it looked like he might have been in danger of breaking his arm or something at, at one point. I was... Yeah, he came back with something wrapped around his yeah, arm. Yeah, he, he had something. So he had a bandage on his arm in the second half. And I think maybe that might have been playing on his mind a little bit. You know, he might have been a little bit less reluctant to go into challenges. And I mean, he got, he got a few kicks. I remember towards the end Ruben Diaz really taking him out with a with a sort of firm but fair challenge and uh, I think every game Neymar plays like that he's, he's used to that isn't he but it must be a nightmare being him in games like that sometimes when you can tell the opponents are just targeting you every time you get the ball you're getting closed down by three or four people yeah he complains about that a lot but that's part of his game because he he runs a very individual and dribbling and you know keeping the ball game so he's always mm. going to have a lot of people around him but yeah. yeah, he complains about that a lot. But what exactly changed in the second half? Uh, what did Guardiola say in the dressing room? Oh, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's funny with City because, it, I mean, there, there is no plan B generally, really. It's just a really good plan A that usually works. And in the first half of, of the game last night, it didn't work in the first half, but it clicked into gear in the second half and they were much, much better. I mean, I think he did make a couple of, of small tweaks. I think in the second half, he, he started playing Gundogan a little bit deeper alongside Rodri. So they, so they sort of had like more of a two-man midfield and it kind of protected them, uh, the midfield from getting played through a little bit more. And then... After about 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes of the second half, he put uh, Zinchenko and he took Jao Cancelo off. And I mean, Cancelo's had a really good season for City, but he was really poor in this game. And he, he took a right-footed left-back off and put a left-footed left-back on. And that, that just kind of stretched the pitch a little a little bit more for City, just opened things up a little bit more, opened up the space a little bit more for De Bruyne and Foden to move around up front. And then it was just kind of a passing clinic from City. They just kept the ball, kept the ball, passed PSG to death. They looked really confident. Um I mean, there was a bit of fortune about the two goals, but I think I think City were the better team overall. And uh, I mean, I think they will probably be a little bit annoyed, and I was a little bit annoyed that they didn't get a third goal. There was there was a moment I think it was um, when um, when Gundogan was down after 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 Gay had, had made the, the tackle that got him sent off. Uh, you could hear one of the City players say to De Bruyne, "We need a third goal," and he goes, "Yeah, I know we need a third goal." <laughs> so I think I think City will probably have come away from that like thinking we we had the chance to really kill this game, and, and they haven't quite done it. So it's still a little bit. You know, the door is still ajar in the, in the second leg now. Do you think they missed having a striker in the first half? Because I thought that in the first half, they weren't very dangerous. They weren't really attacking or making Navas work so much. Do you think they maybe missed the striker or having someone like Sterling, who is a winger, but he's always inside the box? Yeah, I, th I think they've missed that all season, really. I mean, they, they've they've got used to playing without one because, because Sergio Aguero hasn't been fit for the whole season pretty much and, and Gabriel Jesus hasn't really sort of made that made that number nine jersey his own um, and, and they've played with a false nine a lot and, and in the first half of this game it wasn't working very well at all there was like a huge space where a striker would usually be and, and Adressa Gay was just owning it and just mopping up anything that came into that area of the pitch in the first half they just couldn't get around him and then second half they got the passing game going and they, they kind of found a way to play around Gay and then and then of course he got sent off and that, that really opened things up but yeah I think if the, if the goals hadn't come when they did then, then maybe putting Sterling on or, or putting Gabriel Jesus on might have been the way to go. But neither of them are in particularly good form at the moment. So I, I don't think it would have been it would have made a huge difference if they'd started and, and in the end they weren't needed. So uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if he uh, if he goes for the false line again in the, in the second leg actually.
True. Well, Manu, towards the end of the match, you could see that Paris Saint-Germain players were very tired. That tired. They, they couldn't really go back to the defense anymore after going forward trying to score a goal. So the city strategy reminded me a little bit of Muhammad Ali, you know? Let the adversary run, try, shoot, get very tired, and then when they're tired, you strike back. Do you agree with me? Yeah, actually, I agree with you. It's kind of the strategy that Guardiola used to used to play in everything he has he has been. It's as as Dan said. I mean, Manchester City doesn't have never a plan B. I mean, Guardiola team doesn't have never a plan B because he's very confident about his plan A. And actually, his plan A is to play with the ball to make the other team tired and then try to to find the the spaces in the in the second half. But in this case, I'm not really sure. I think that actually after the first half, I think that Pochettino was kind of defensive one because I mean they played very well in the first half in the first half you were looking the PSG players and they look like not only more fresh but also like bigger players than the Manchester City one I mean Neymar Angel Di Maria Paredes they they look like bigger than the Manchester, Manchester City ones and after the second half I don't think so it was about energy that they changed too much I think that the message that Pochettino sent in the halftime I don't think so that it was like the right one actually it was not in the dressing room but I had that feeling like, okay, let us wait. We are winning 1-0. We have Mbappé and Neymar in front, so we can maybe do a con counter-attack and to, to put the, the second one, and, yeah, and the match is going to be over. And, and I think that, actually, I'm this kind of person that when something is going well, I don't like to change it. And, and yeah, Pochettino, in my opinion, he did. And actually, Guardiola did some changes in the second half, as, as Dan mentioned before. For me, for example, was really important the impact that uh, had Bernardo Silva and Marez being together in that left side from PSG and attacking Bakker that actually was the, the let us say the less powerful player from PSG and for me it was one of one of the keys and then after the the gay uh, uh, the PSG player was sent off uh, I think that the match was was kind of over because we could see like players like Neymar that they lost a little bit psychologically because they used to do when they are not winning the match and then Manchester City was playing with, with pleasure. Exactly. PSG seemed to have lost their mind after, lost their head after the second goal. They were like complaining about everything. They got some easy yellow cards that, you know, they shouldn't really, went too hard on the tackles, I think. Do, they, do you think they have what it takes to come back mentally? Yeah, I think so, because the second match is going to be like a new match. So actually, you cannot start a second match, let us say, uh, with, with nerves, because because you are going to start, you know that it's a new match. Winning 1-2, uh, you go to the extra time. Winning 2-3, as you won already in Munich, you, you, you go to the final. So I think that, of course, they have, they have chances. But that's true that PSG, it has happened to them, and especially to Neymar so many times, is when they are playing a match and suddenly they realize, OK, it's not in our hands. They used to, to lose their way and and yeah, we will see we will see what happens. It's something they should control. But actually when you are playing in the French competition that you used to win every match, I think that it happens to you that you are not get used to be losing and then it these things happen, yeah. I agree with Dan when he was saying that City in a moment became the better match, became the better team in the in the match. But you know, you look at the other team and you see that they have Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappé, and you just wonder that in any given moment they might just have this sparkle of talent and just make this wonderful play decide the match. That was missing yesterday. None of these players had that sparkle of talent yesterday. Especially Mbappé. I mean, he was very, I think, out of tune, kind of. He didn't really seem he, he was on the match. What do you say? 
Yeah, totally agree. Mbappé was the one who was missing in the first half because, in my opinion, in the first half, Di Maria and Neymar, they were very good. Actually, there were like a couple of moments from them that you could see, wow, you know, important players that they appear in the important matches. And I think that Mbappé, he does too. He didn't yesterday because at the end, you know, he's a human being and it can happen. So he had already shown in Camp Nou and Allianz, and Allianz Arena that he's a player for big matches. But yesterday he didn't and it was like really a big miss from PSG because I think that if Mbappé had been inspired in the first half, maybe the first half was not finished at 1-0 and maybe it would be like 2 or 3-0 because Neymar and Di Maria, I thought I, I found them very, very connected with the match. Yes, I, I was under the impression that, for example, when they faced Barcelona, Mbappé was the man of the match. Then they faced Bayern, uh, Neymar was the man of the match. And I was under like, okay, this is going to be Di Maria's. But then the second half completely changed it. So what do you say that PSG needs to change to, to beat Manchester City in the next match? Wow, that is actually a hard question. To be honest, because... And you can call he, Pochettino after the podcast and tell him what he needs to do. <laughs> oh, he's listening, yeah. he's listening, you know that. <laughs> yeah, I think that they played an amazing first half. So the first half, I was really impressed with, with PSG, not only because they have like better individual players, because in my opinion, even if Manchester City is a better team, I think that as a player, as a as an individual character and player made for a big matches, PSG had more better players than, than Manchester City because, for example, let us say that Neymar, Di Maria, Mbappé or even Marquinhos, they are four players that actually, you know, they could win a title for their own and I don't think so that Manchester City had so many players like PSG, maybe Kevin De Bruyne, maybe Gundogan. I don't know, maybe Dan is not, is not with me, but in, in that case. So I think that, in my opinion, if PSG is, is offensive, is self-confident and go to look for Manchester City, they are able to, to, to come back the, this match. That's true that, in my opinion, as a team, because they have a better coach for me, uh, Manchester City is it's better as a team. But I think that if actually these individual characters that Manchester City have play as a team, uh, the match is going to be open in the second leg. I agree with you when you say that uh, PSG has more players that are more like individual sparkle and they can decide the match like Di Maria, Neymar, Mbappé. I was actually watching the match yesterday and I was thinking that on one side you had these three guys that at any given moment they can just change the match completely and on the other you have this amazing team with amazing players but I would only see De Bruyne as being that guy that could really change the match and in the end he did. <laughs> so what did you think about his performance and how does he, this influence the next match then? What do you think is going to be for him? Yeah, it's, it's uh, I mean, he's, he's come back from an injury recently and he's taken a little bit of time to, to get back to, to sort of full fitness from that. He played against uh, Tottenham in the, in the Carabao Cup at the weekend. Um, didn't have a particularly great game there. But he, he is the sort of leader of this team when he plays well. Everyone plays well. Everything, everything good goes through him. He he really makes things tick. He really gets the passing game going, and he and he and, and the closer you can kind of get into the box, the better. So so yeah, hopefully he will he will have a game like that again. I mean I mean Mares was was City's. I think De Bruyne actually got the man of the match award, but I think Mares was probably the best player for me. Um, in that game, so he's another one who's become a real kind of clutch player for City recently. Foden as well is another one who um, can just kind of turn a game around, just to you know spin away from someone. He, he almost scored an incredible goal last night, actually. Um, Navas made the save in the end, so he, he's another one that you, you're kind of looking to. And, and Ruben Diaz as well has just been such what a, a match. rock. 
a rock for us all season and, and last night was incredible yeah he, he just thought I mean he's played against Haaland Mbappe and Neymar now and, and had the beating of, of all of them so uh, touch wood it'll be the, be the same for the second leg Do you think Guardiola finally got the defender he was looking for when he got Ruben Diaz? Yeah we finally got our Vincent Company replacement I think yeah, because he's invested a lot of money there, but I don't think any of yeah. them has played as well as Ruben Diaz. So. Yeah, yeah. By the way, speaking of money, just a, just a quick point before we move on. It was funny. It was quite um, sort of novel and unique for City last night to play against a team who's spent as much money on their team as we've spent on our team. In fact, I saw a graphic before the game that said like the the PSG starting lineup cost five hundred twenty million, and, and the City starting lineup cost five hundred million. It was like, oh, we're actually the uh, the underdogs in this game then. <laughs> That's financially true. Speaking, yeah, which is which is very unusual for us. So yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, that that's a good point of view for the game. That's a good perspective. <laughs> I like it. Well, in the end, we actually saw like in this match we saw the the wall opening up for that Moraes free kick, and recently in the same Champions League we saw Juventus be eliminated by the same mistake with the wall opening up. What is wrong with these people? Don't you learn that when you're like 10 years old playing <laughs> ball in the corner with your friends? You think so, yeah. It seems to be a dying art, the defensive wall, doesn't it? I mean, they, they even had, was it Verratti who was lying down behind the wall doing the kind of uh, draft excluder job and, and that didn't work. And um, was it Paredes who was, on, who was on the edge of the wall who kind of turned his back on it? I mean, that's the worst thing you could do, really. And if you're going to do that, you might as well turn your back all the way through it and just have, uh, you know, uh, it hit you on the back of the head if you're worried about getting hit in the exactly. face. Exactly. That makes more sense, yeah. Yeah, well, I thought these players knew how to keep a, a wall, but well, yeah. especially now that they put that little guy on the corner uh, at the back, lying down, facing the goal, so that yeah. no one kicks it from under the the wall. But <laughs> that, under the wall, nobody's gonna kick it, but they're gonna kick it through the wall now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so moving on to to Real Madrid and Chelsea, this was a bit more disappointing for me. I was actually expecting something more exciting. But I, I got the idea that both teams were playing with the same formation, with the same tactics. They were both attracting the opponent into their half, trying to be very careful. Manu, did Chelsea manage to neutralize Real Madrid or were Real Madrid just not really on their best day? Oof, I think that a little bit of both. I mean, Chelsea managed to neutralize Real Madrid, but also I guess that Real Madrid is actually in a point of the season that... Uh, physically, they, they don't have anything en energy left. So uh, we will see how are they going to arrive to the second match. But I, I have seen players like, especially Luka Modric, well, what to say about Marcelo, but especially Luka Modric, that he was very tired from the minute 15, 20. So I think that Chelsea did an amazing first 25, 25 minutes, half an hour. But then, yeah, everyone could see Timo Werner missing an, two, a couple of important actions. And... After after that half an hour, I think that Zidane realized, okay, we cannot win uh, the, the this eliminatory this this round today. So let us try to, as you say, to be to be cautious, to don't take so many risks. And the second half, as you say, was very boring. I don't know what what do you think, but the, the second half, I could have a a, a nap. I almost <laughs> took a nap myself in the second half. So yeah, and, and again, Real Madrid being saved by Benzema and being saved by a wonderful goal by Benzema. Last time that you were, we were together in this podcast, Manu, I was asking you if Benzema was the man of the season for Real Madrid, and you were saying that maybe together with Toni Kroos, is he already standing alone in that first place, or do you still put Toni Kroos together with him? 
Wow, he was the he was the best player on Tuesday. I mean, also I, I really like Militao that he's doing an amazing month. But yeah, Benzema, he, Benzema is carrying Real Madrid along, and even it's not only because of the goal. They were like a couple of actions that Benzema did what Benzema used to do to going a little bit backward to take the ball to to uh, calm the match. So uh, on Tuesday, I really saw Benzema doing as Benzema, but also doing as Toni Kroos and Modric, because I, th I, I, th I think that he realized, okay, my colleagues, they are especially tired, and they are not, not, they are not being able to really calm the match, to, 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 to keep the ball, to keep the possession, and Benzema did very well for me. He was one of the best matches that I have seen as Benzema, not only because of the goal, because I, I, I saw him as a captain, as a leader, as, okay, no worries, we are struggling, but... I'm actually feeling well and I'm going to try to, to, to keep the team alive because after the first half an hour, I actually thought that, that Chelsea was going to be able to, yeah, to finish the, the, the eliminatory, the semi-final. That's true. Not only his football this season impressive, but also his attitude in the pitch and his motivation. I think he's on his prime. But uh, on the other hand, on the, on the defense you were talking about, Militão, I agree with you. Uh, I was actually very critical of him in his first months or his first when he started in Real Madrid and he's been getting lots of chances also because you know Real Madrid full of people in the medical department people injured Sergio Ramos didn't play again and I have the impression now that between the three defenders that have been playing Nacho Varane and Militão if Zidane needs to pick one of them to play alongside Sergio Ramos when he's back it's going to be Militão do you agree with me? Yeah, I, I agree. I, there was this discussion as well on Tuesday in, in Spanish radio because if you, everyone knows that if Ramos is fit, Ramos is, is going to play. And actually, the normal thing is to, to, to say, okay, Ramos is going to play alongside uh, Rafael Baran, but who is going to send to the bench Militao after this month? I mean, he's, he has been the best against Liverpool. He was the best against Barcelona. He was the best against Chelsea. So he's... he's really in shape and, 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 and as you say I mean if Iran has to choose one to play alongside Sergio Ramos today I think was he's going to be Militao for sure and what the hell happened can anyone explain to me what happened with Nacho and the Real Madrid defense when Pulisic got that ball and Nacho ran to the goal to let Courtois go face Pulisic instead of the other way around leave Courtois <laughs> in the goal and go take the ball out of him what the hell happened there can someone explain that to me yeah, yeah, actually no idea because Courtois did well because as you see Courtois was in front of Pulisic and Courtois gave time to his colleagues to really be close to Pulisic and, and don't force him to, to shoot but I don't know why Varane and Nacho they, they took this decision it was, it was very weird what do you think went through this head then? Oh, no idea. I mean, when you try to block a shot on the line with your head, it's never a good a good sign, is it really? Yeah. Especially uh, when you have a goalkeeper the size of Courtois, you know, you just leave exactly, him at the goal. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, what about Giroud? Dan, do you think if Giroud was playing that he would have scored that goal that Timo Werner lost? I, I think I would have scored that chance, to be honest <laughs> with you. I don't, I don't know what's going on with Werner at the moment. I mean, we, we talked a, bit, a little bit about him on the, the Premier League podcast earlier in the week and we were saying that, like, you know, he's not had, like, a terrible, terrible season, first season at Chelsea, and it's his first season in a, in a new country, so you you would expect a little bit of an adaptation period. But some of the chances he's missing are really worrying. You know, he's he missed a great one against West Ham at the weekend that you could kind of forgive him for because it was a bit of a strange ankle on his on his left foot. But this one, it's like, come on, man, what are you doing? Put it in the corner. It's it's It should 
would be so easy, really. Um, and and yeah, the, the Giro situation is a little bit weird. I think he's getting a little bit fed up with his, his lack of game time at Chelsea. Um, there's some reports today that he's not going to sign a new contract because his contract runs out at the end of the season. So he's probably going to be on his way. And uh, there's also some talk that Chelsea might be going back in for, for uh, Romelu uh, Lukaku, who, who obviously played for them before um, in the past. So, oh. so that would be an, an incredible signing for them, I think, if they could get him. But uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, Tucker was asked about Werner after the game and he sort of said, oh, he doesn't have to cry about his missed chance. But it's sort of looking, you're getting the impression that, that maybe he's, he's, he's getting a bit um, sick of him missing these chances now and, and, and his patience is running out a little bit with Werner. Do you think he puts Werner back in the second match as well or is it going to maybe try something different? I don't know really, yeah, because I mean they've they've played with a bit of a false nine as well, a little bit like City in recent weeks with Kai Havertz playing there, which has been quite effective. So um, maybe he'll have to, uh, Werner playing off the off the left or something. But but Pulisic had such a good game in this game as well that you'd perhaps like to see him in the in, in the lineup for the second leg. So yeah, Werner probably plays, but uh, you know he needs to, he needs to start scoring the goals soon. I agree. Well, an FA Cup final, the Champions League semi-final, I don't think anyone would have bet on that at the beginning of the season for Chelsea. Mm. And you can say that it's not such a bad season for some, you know, for a club that changed coaches in the middle of the way. But I do find this Tuchel, this Tuchel Chelsea a little bit too pragmatic, too boring. I mean, the football play that they played with Lampard, of course, you know, they weren't doing so well and they missed a lot of matches, but I enjoyed it more as a fan, as a football fan to watch it. Do you agree with me? Is, is this a bit boring? Was Lampard a bit more exciting? Yeah, they, they are pretty tedious to watch at the moment, Chelsea. And I, th I think I think Tuchel and, and the Chelsea fans would argue that it's, it's the, the first stage of the process towards being a, an all-round good team. I mean, they, defensively under, under, under Lampard, they were a shambles at times and um, they, they were shipping goals all over the place and it, it, it was really uh, not working out for them at all. So I think he, he's come in and said, right, we need to start defending properly. And I mean, the, the defence is incredible. The, you, you watch them in some games and you think they are not conceding a goal today and, and they keep so many clean sheets. Um, so I think next season they will probably start to play a bit more expansively um, I mean it, if if they continue defending in the way that they have and, and they end up winning the FA Cup and, and the Champions League and getting in the top four then you would have to say that it's been it's been worth it but yeah at the moment they're, they're not very interesting team to watch uh, I agree with you too that I, I uh, sort of took my, lost lost uh, interest in this game a little bit in the second half and was sort of looking at my phone and looking out the window and all sorts you know yeah we were all taking a little nap there yeah <laughs> Well, last season, uh, Real Madrid, after they won the league, Hazard said, you know, he was happy, his first season uh, winning the league, but not quite happy because it didn't feel like he had won the league, he had contributed to the team, which is exactly right. But what do we, what can we say about his second season? I mean, he, he played even less than the first season. What? Yeah. Yeah, actually, if he was not happy after the first season, I'm sure that he's not going to be happy after the second, even if they, if they win the World Cup, because he's doing nothing in the World Season. So, yeah, actually, I, I, I completely agree with him and, and with you. I don't know what is happening with him. I'm really a Hazard fan. I, I loved him when he was in Chelsea, but because of the injuries or because he's not in shape or uh, suddenly he got Corona or suddenly, I don't know, something happened with his dog or his cat. He's not playing at all. <laughs> he's not had opportunities to, to, to show his, his football in the game. And I think that Real Madrid spent 160 millions and Real Madrid is looking for a guy who used to play also in that position for next year, who plays for PSG and he's from France. So I don't know what is going to happen with Hazard, but it's like an invest of money that it seems that he goes directly to the trash. 
<laughs> first of all, I, well, literally to the trash might be a bit too much, but yeah, he definitely <laughs> isn't doing the best season. But when he came in the match, I, I didn't really see him play, I think, against Hetafi on the weekend. So I was actually surprised he was on the bench. Oh, my God, Hazard. I, I didn't even remember he was in Real Madrid. <laughs> and then he came along and I said, OK, well, this is his chance. He's done nothing all season. He's playing against his former team. Uh, in Brazil, there's this thing we call the X law, where the player all, always scores against their former team when they play against the team that they used to play for. And again, he did nothing. I mean, how happy are Chelsea uh, directors right now having sold Hazard for 160 and seeing what he's not been doing in Real Madrid? Yeah, we cannot forget that the replacement from Hazard, if I'm right, was Pulisic. That actually was the guy who scored the the first goal yesterday. So so I think that it was like a good move for Chelsea. But as you say, uh, he still has a second chance or even a third because... Real Madrid has to play the second match in Stanford Reach and maybe the final in uh, in Istanbul. And we all of us, we know how football works. If Hazard is able to score an important goal against Chelsea in the second leg or a goal in the final, nobody's going to remember that he had a bad season. Just remember what happens with Nicola Anelka. He was like the most expensive transfer for Real Madrid back on the times. He scored twice against Bayern in semifinals. And everyone remembers Anelka for these two goals that they were like key in order to Real Madrid conquer a new Champions League so football is it's, it's good for the uh, football is good and bad for, for the reason the, the memory is, is too short so at the end Hazard is going to have always like a second or third chance but that's true that if the season ends and he's not part of an important match from here to the end of the season we will see how he's going to manage Real Madrid the Hazard situation in summer because I mean it's money that they need to recover and it's a player in the squad in a key position that he's not showing his level and yeah I'm curious to to know how Florentino is gonna is gonna manage that well then Manu just reminded us that Hazard came out for Pulisic to have a place in the starting 11 that he was his replacement not a bad choice huh not a not a bad replacement for as we can see right now right yeah, I mean, he's done. A, I mean, I mean, Hazard was was amazing his last season at Chelsea, and and I, I think they got a little bit lucky. They kind of sold him. It would appear at the peak of his powers, really, because he's he sort of looks like you know fitness wise that he he's all he's going downhill since then. And and Pulisic has had a, a bit of a strange Chelsea career. He's been a little bit in and out, a, uh, you know, a little, little bit uh, up and down his career really. Um, sometimes he's looked really good, like he did in this game. Sometimes he's, he's, he hasn't done an awful lot. Um, still a very young man though. He's still 22 years old, which uh, is quite surprising. I, I believe he was the first ever American to score in a Champions League semi final in this game. So um, sort of leading the way for for his country as well though yeah we forget he's american sometimes with that surname (laughs) yeah that's right yeah (laughs) well real madrid they still have a pretty good shot at the champions league you know even if they they tied the first match at home two points away from atletico in la liga atletico in barcelona still gonna face each other well manu at the beginning of the season we would think that you know zidane had his job at risk that he wasn't gonna make it to the end of the season even if he doesn't take both you know, League, Champions League and La Liga, he still saves his job. He still ends the season pretty well. What do you think? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. I mean, we, we cannot forget that what, Real Madrid, what is happening in Real Madrid with the injuries and the, uh, yeah, and all of the problems that they are having with COVID and injuries. It's it, it's been too heavy, and Zidane is managing well. At the end, the team is in the semifinals. They are gonna be able to 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 fight for for La Liga. At the end, I don't think so that. 
the position or the job of Zidane was in danger because I think that Zidane as legend and Zidane as coach, he's not going to be never ever sacked by Real Madrid. For sure, if he does a bad season, probably there were going to be like a conversations between Florentino and Zidane and he had decided to, he would decide to leave, but in a good way, because I think that, you know, it's like for a legend to be sacked is, is something that is not going to be very well considered in Real Madrid. But that's true that he started the season and we were like, yeah, we will see because, you know, the squad is not too big, Hazard is not playing well, Modric is old, they lost against Alcoyano, far away from Atletico. But at the end, the match balls in the Champions League, especially after they lost against Shakhtar Donetsk, Tidane was able to... To, to, to save it and, and now they are doing it well. I mean, Zidane is an amazing coach, an amazing group, how he uh, to the gestion of the group, how he coordinate the group, it's, it's great and he has shown it one season again. True, true. I love him. I think he's, well, he was an amazing player, one of the best I've ever seen. And I think he's a pretty good coach as well. People don't give him the credit for those champion, three Champions Leagues in a row because, you know, the team's amazing. Cristiano Ronaldo scoring goals with every part of his body. So I Yeah, but it's, it's quite unfair. I think that it's not only because of the Champions League. For example, when we are talking about coaches, I really... I, prefer rather to to talk about La Liga, or La Liga or Premier League or whatever, because they are like 38 matches. And actually, I don't think so that the team is possible to win a, a so long competition if they don't have a good coach. And, and you know, and Real Madrid has been struggling a lot in the last 12 years. I think that they have won three three La Ligas, and two of them they were with Zinedine Zidane. And they say you a lot that he's a very good coach because playing against Messi, that it's, you know, it's a kind of machine that he's or scoring a goal or providing assist per match, to be able that your team beat Messi's team in a really long way competition, it means that you are a, a very good coach and I'm completely sure that Zidane it is. And actually he won three Champions League that, you know, I think it's the only, it's, I think, no, it's the only one in the history. So what we can say about that? Exactly. Well, to wrap it up, what are your guesses for the second leg and who is going to be in the final? How about, uh, let's start with Real Madrid, Chelsea in London. Manu, what's your guess? My guess, my guess is Chelsea has not conceded a goal in a start from bridge. I think since Tuchel is the coach, I just, I, I think that I, I just saw this, these stats. I'm not sure. Correct me if I'm wrong, Dan. So we will see. I, I think that the match is gonna finish one-one, extra time and penalties. And actually, no idea who is gonna be in the final. But okay. <laughs> but that's a very specific guess. Yeah. <laughs> How about you then? Uh, well, I'm not sure if that stat is true. It sounds right, to be fair. So, so with that in mind, I'll say nil-nil in the second leg and Chelsea to go through on away goals. Okay, okay. How about City and Paris Saint-Germain? That's a bit easier for you then. Oh, yeah. I feel pretty confident about this one, partly because um, so City play Crystal Palace in the Premier League this weekend and we can kind of afford to just play like we can just afford to rest the whole first 11 basically because we you know we've got a decent lead in the in the premier league and psg have got lons in in league Erna. the they're still fifth going for the place title. exactly yes. yeah they're still going for the title so they, they can't really afford to kind of uh, throw that game so hopefully city will be will be fresh and i'll go for a i'll go for another 2-1 city win nice manu your guess yeah i'm gonna go for 2-2 two, two. And it's going to remind me what happens between Guardiola and Pochettino. Do you, I probably, unfortunately, don't remember that match with the <laughs> Sterling goal. And I think it's going to happen something similar, but in that way, it's going to go from the Guardiola side and PSG is going to miss like a big chance at the end and, PSG is, and City is going to be in the final. Okay, so that's going to be... Uh, we're betting on an English final, is that right? Yeah. 
yeah, could be Europa yeah. League as well, could be English final as well. So. Exactly, that should be interesting. Well, yeah, I would be more than happy, yeah, I would be more than happy. <laughs> okay, okay, Let, let's see how which English teams make it to the final of which competitions next, yeah. next, next week. <laughs> okay, thanks a lot, guys, and we'll be back next week to talk about who made it to the final, if it's the English ones or the, well, the outsiders. <laughs> see you then.